0: We are in this series in the book of Galatians, and uh, we're talking about some of these really large themes that you kind of see throughout the whole Bible, but they're really pronounced here in the book of Galatians. You you see this idea of of sin, you see this idea of of law, and you see this idea of of grace and, and faith. And and Paul kind of gives those sequences, he, he contrasts and compares those ideas. But as I was thinking about this chapter specifically in this section of scripture, that really highlights sin and law and the gospel, I thought of going hiking with my family. A few years ago, uh, we went hiking uh, on the Wave Cave Trail in, East, uh, the, in the East Valley. And if you've ever done that hike, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a difficult hike. We, we actually had our kids, so it was doable, but it was pretty difficult. And uh, I, I remember getting to the, the trailhead and my wife said this, she said, do you have directions? Like from the all trails map, like, do you have directions? And like any good husband, I was like, babe, who needs directions? I'm gonna eyeball this thing. Like I see it's a wave cave. So it's like the, a, a, a big rock that looks like a wave. Like I see some caves over there. I'm sure we'll figure it out when we get close. How many of you know how this story's gonna go? Yeah. It doesn't take 10 minutes before we lose sight of the trail. If you've ever done the Wave Cave Trail, the trail is not clearly defined. There's a lot of cactus and weeds and all these kind of things, and it's hard to see. And so it takes 10 minutes and we're lost. It's a mess, right? We have our our three kids with us. Our youngest at the time was like on the carrier, but didn't want to ride in the carrier. And so I'm the dad that's walking around with this big carrier while holding my child, you know? And it's just a mess. We're lost. We're like, where is... And so I, I try to download, like, without Wi-Fi, I try to download the, the, the instructions, the directions. And, you know, I can kind of see, like, the trail looks like it's over there. But even with the directions, because the trail was not very defined, it was kind of complex, even with the directions, we couldn't find our way. Do you know what it took? It took an hour and a half of arriving at a different cave where there was no wave and hearing some conversations, being frustrated, this is a mess, hearing some conversations, some voices in the distance and saying, hey, we gotta go find those people. And we found some people and they said, hey, yeah, we know the way, come with us. Now, here's why I tell you that, because that's that's a picture of really the whole Bible, that's a picture of Galatians, that's a picture of sin to law to gospel, right? That, That every one of us, we have this point in our lives where we're like, I got this. I'm just going to kind of eyeball this thing. I'm going to eyeball school growing up. I'm going to eyeball marriage. I'm going to just eyeball parenting. I'm going to eyeball even holiness. And we're like, I kind of can, I can figure all this out. And that ends up very quickly a mess. You're lost. And so at some point, you're like, hey, I need some help. So you find a religion or you find even the Bible and you make it into a religion. You're like, I'm gonna memorize these verses. I'm gonna go to this church service and and do all of these things. Or maybe you just look at self-help. Like I'm gonna get myself right and I'm gonna download this app or this eating plan and I'm gonna discipline myself. And you're like, I need some directions. But how many of you know, you try that for a little while and you're still in a mess? Because... Listen, somebody could teach me step-by-step how to dunk a basketball on a 10-foot goal. And I could follow every step, but I just can't, I can't do it, right? And so at some point, I, I need somebody else to come along and say, hey, walk with me. In fact, the gospel will tell us, you don't just need somebody to walk with you, you need somebody to carry you. And that's the progression of Galatians. That's what Paul is trying to highlight, that the quicker you will realize that in your sin, that's gonna lead to a mess, it's gonna lead to death. Even in the law, it's good, but if you just try to muster up white knuckle and you try to follow all the directions, it's just gonna show your insufficiencies, that it's only when you come to grips with, I have nothing to offer, Jesus, help me, Jesus, save me, Jesus, sanctify me, by grace through faith. That's the whole book of Galatians. That's really the whole book of the Bible. That's the book of your life. So that's what Paul's gonna clearly lay out in this section. So the sermon title today, if you take notes, is we live by faith. We're in Galatians 3, 1 through 14. And so I'm gonna read this. We're gonna see some of that progression, some of these contrasts, and then break it down. Galatians 3, 1 through 14. Listen to what it says. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Now, I just had to chuckle as a preacher. Paul says, let me ask you only this. Like one question, he proceeds to ask six questions. You know how when I say like I'm wrapping up or as we close and I never, that's what's happening here, okay. Okay. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is, is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely upon the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. What a fun start to this passage, right? Oh, foolish Galatians, right? And like, these are Gentile Christians, like we're Gentile Christians. Oh, foolish Phoenix Bible Church people, right? Welcome to church. Aren't you glad you came today, right? Super encouraging. He says, who has bewitched you? You're thinking like, well, has somebody cast a spell on him? No, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, what are you thinking? Like parents, this is what you say to your kids. What are you thinking? In fact, some translations will say like stupid Galatians. it's so strong that Paul, Paul, says foolish twice, bewitched, this strong language. Why is Paul so fired up? Well, you have to remember the context. Remember that, that Paul has started these churches in Galatia. He preached a gospel by grace through faith and Jesus alone. And then he left and these people called these Judaizers came along and they started to teach, sure, Jesus is great by grace through faith. Why not? But let's add a plus sign to Jesus. And let's have you start obeying things in the the law and the Sabbath and food restrictions and these other things like circumcision. And let's make it a Jesus plus. And he, he almost is telling them like, hey, snap out of it. Like, don't you remember the gospel that I preached to you? How could you be so so foolish, snap out of it? Have you been bewitched? You know it's by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's, that's how we started these churches. That's why you're, you're saved. That's how you know Jesus. And so he's making that abundantly clear. Now, I think foolish is a good translation because I think what Paul is pointing out is not like you're dumb, you don't know anything. I think what Paul is pointing out, like foolishness is that you know some things, but you're living like you don't know those things, right? Some of you, you've been foolish in your life. You know the right thing to do, but you abandon that in a moment because of an impulse or a feeling. And that's what the Galatians are doing. And so what Paul is gonna do and what we're gonna do in our time together is see the case Paul makes for them to snap out of it. He's gonna make a case primarily in three ways that they need to snap out of this idea of Jesus plus something else for salvation, for sanctification. They need to snap out of it and he's gonna remind them of three things that they already know, All right? Here's the three things if you take notes. He's gonna remind them of the cross, the Old Testament, and then finally, their experience. The cross, the Old Testament, and their experience. Here's the things that they they know. The first thing is the cross. Look at verse one. He says, It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now it's important for you to know what Paul is saying is not that they literally saw Jesus hanging upon a cross themselves. What he's saying and why he says portrayed is again, Paul was there. He led these people to Christ. He planted these churches and he preached very clearly the cross of Jesus Christ. And you combine that with the fact that these were people who would have understood and would have been familiar with a crucifixion in the Roman culture. And so Paul had preached Jesus was crucified. They knew this. He knew that they knew this, that they knew how gruesome the cross was really was, that they knew it wasn't just about physical pain. It was about public shame. Even if you don't know the history of the cross and, and you, you didn't live in the ancient culture, you can just look at this cross and you can see the cross does what? It elevates someone so everybody can see it, it was what he goes on to talk about. It was a curse for anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed it's physical pain, it's public shame. And he reminds them, hey, you know the Roman crucifixion. And I preach to you that Jesus Christ, the son of God, he died a gruesome death on that cross. Do you think if, if your sin required that, do you think some circumcision, some Sabbath, some obeying food restrictions is gonna help you? And he goes on, he doesn't just talk about the cross, he talks about their condition. Look at verse 10, he quotes Deuteronomy. He says, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of of the law and do them. He says, hey, you need the cross because of your condition. Your condition, if you've broken any law, just one is cursed, all right, last week, Pastor AC gave this illustration of he was heading to California and he did everything right. He had registered plates, he used his turn signals, like, like he was driving straight in the lane and yet he was speeding. So we got a ticket. Now, I, n- I never have uh, been ticketed for speeding, so I had to use his illustration, but <laughs> I mean, you know, you can kind of like imagine a scenario where maybe you were speeding and like just, just one thing that you break in the law, You know, there's 600 commandments in the Old Testament and the the book of Exodus alone. You just break one and you're cursed. Notice he said, cursed. Notice what he he didn't say. He didn't say, well, you know, everybody struggles. Well, you know, like no one's perfect. And he said, you've broken one law. You're cursed, Condemned. Ephesians will say, Dead in your sin. Why is he reminded him of that? Why am I reminding? So everybody can just be like depressed this morning? No. He's showing you both sides of the coin cross and your condition, cross and cursed. Because when you realize the magnitude of your condition, of your problem, that you are without Christ and without this cross, even if you obey the Sabbath, even if you are circumcised, even if you follow all the rules of the day, if you make one mistake, one sin, even if it's just omission, even if it's just like you know the right thing to do, but you fail to do it, that one thing before a holy and righteous and perfect God You're cursed, you're dead. And Paul's saying, hey, once you realize that, then you realize the only solution on the other side of that coin is not your righteous deeds and not your observances of the law. It is Christ and Christ alone. Snap out of it. Oh, foolish Galatians, you know this. You know what the cross is all about. You know your condition. Now, again, some of us, we, we don't like to hear this. Like, Tim, why do why you gotta be so emphatic about this? Why has Paul gotta say cursed and dead? Like, why do we have to talk about this? And, and the reality is I, I realize that. I realize that even in my, in my own family, I have a family member who's not a believer. And we were in a conversation one day and he said, you know, Tim, one of the reasons I don't believe in the gospel of Jesus is because, I mean, it's always, the Bible's always talking about how we're lowly, how we need God, how we're broken because of our sin, how we're dead and cursed. Like we didn't, he didn't even know dead and cursed, but I threw that in there. That didn't help, right? I, I don't need to hear that. Like I kind of know that intuitively in my own life. I know I, I suck. I know I, I can't do anything good, Right? And maybe some of you have wrestled with that. Like, why, is it, why does the Bible have to call us these things? And what I told them is, hey man I, man, I totally get that. Like, if all we're hearing and if all you're hearing from the Bible and from the gospel is that you're broken and you're lowly and you're dead, like if all you're hearing is, is that, well then absolutely, that's super depressing. But if, you, if you'll flip over the coin and realize that the Bible and God and the Holy Spirit and the cross of Jesus Christ and the law, here's what it's all doing. It's elevating that to the surface. You are broken. You are in need. You are dead. You are cursed. You are hopeless. But God... In Christ, he gave himself up for you, that you're exposing yourself, your sin, and all the ugly things, and you're coming to grips with your condition so that you can meet and encounter the one who actually heals you from it, who delivers you from your sin, who raises you up from death to life in Jesus' name. Anybody know that's what Jesus did? That is the gospel. And so it is depressing until you realize the cross... It's sufficient for me. see, some of you, I know like we sing songs and Kyle's like pleading with you, like, hey, stand and sing. He lets Jesus remove the veil. And some of y'all just looking at him funny, right? Like some of y'all, this is what you do. Some of y'all like, hey, arms folded. And you're like, what a beautiful name it is. You're like, I don't know that you think it's beautiful. <laughs> hey, hey, you know why? Because you're, you're looking at yourself, not at Jesus. You're thinking about your name and all that represents and all of your self-righteousness and all of your shame and what you did last night and what you're going to achieve this week. And I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And so of course you're not singing what a beautiful name it is, what a powerful name it is. Thinking about your name. See, how many of us, functionally right now, you would say, "No, no, Tim, I know the cross and only by grace through faith, like I know all that, but functionally, you don't live like that. Functionally, it's like Paul Tripp, who's an author, says it this way. You have gospel amnesia. Then when we're singing a song, then when you're living your life on Monday and Wednesday and your marriage and your parenting, man, your anchor is not by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, who's rescued me out of the pit of hell and sin and death. That's not what you're thinking about. You're thinking about you. And Paul's trying to take their gaze and your gaze off of yourself and all of your righteous deeds, which are as filthy rags before holy God and all of your sin and your shame and remind you you're saved, you're sanctified, you live by faith, grace alone in Jesus Christ in the cross. He's reminding them of this, He's reminding you of this. So here's a question, how many times do you functionally, do you have gospel amnesia? Do you walk, do you sing, do you live as you don't know that the cross is sufficient for your sin? And, and how many times do you remind yourself, preach the gospel to yourself during a week? How many times do you do that? Friends, we, that, that is our hope for salvation, for sanctification, it is the gospel, it is the cross. We need to constantly come back to it. So that's the first case Paul makes. The second case Paul makes is the Old Testament. Look at the text with me and just kind of scan through it. Here's a name you're gonna see mentioned a few times, Abraham, specifically verses six through eight. You you see Paul referencing the story of Abraham and the specific point in Genesis 15, verse six, that Abraham believed in the Lord and God credited that to him, righteousness. Abraham expressed faith, and he was declared righteous. That's what justification means. We talked about this last week. How did Abraham get justified? How was he declared righteous? Through faith. See, this is really interesting that Paul brings up the Old Testament and specifically Abraham. And again, you have to remember the context, right? You have these Judaizers, these Jewish Christians coming in and saying, Jesus plus the law, the Mosaic law. And so what these Judaizers were doing to these Gentile Christians was saying, hey, I know like this new Jesus thing has come in play and like he's the new fad, and, like he lived and he died and he resurrected. Like, eh, that's, that's fine, sure, that's nice. But we gotta go all the way back to the beginning, to the Mosaic law. And you gotta do all these things and like keep Jesus in the equation, but all these things from the very beginning from the Israel traditions, like we gotta keep these things too. And so I love Paul because he says, okay, you wanna play that game? You wanna go back to the beginning, huh? How about we go back to before the beginning? Abraham, father Abraham, the founding father. You know, Abraham preceded Moses. So Paul's like, we can play that game. You know, Abraham, like before Moses, like all the stuff you want to add, that's like from the beginning and like this is what makes us varsity and you guys JV. He says, let's go back to Abraham. He believed God and was declared righteous. What's the case Paul is making all these years later to the Galatians? You believe God and you're declared righteous. What's Paul saying? He's saying, hey, it's always been this way. Old Testament, New Testament, Abraham, Paul. It's by grace through faith that you're saved and also sanctified. See, we have to recognize this kind of highlights an argument that we have in the church over the course of generations since this time. We have this idea of like like faith versus the law. Paul's going to talk about the flesh versus the spirit. And throughout church history, we kind of like put these up against each other like Paul was a guy of faith, like James like he didn't like faith too much. He's like you got to do a lot of stuff. And we kind of pit these against one another and we like just let's see them duke it out. Like who's going to win? No, 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 no. It's something like that, right? And and Paul recognizes that's what the Judaizers are doing. They're pitting these two things against one another. And Paul specifically highlights the Old Testament to say, no, 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 Old Testament, New Testament, it's by grace through faith. And you're gonna see Paul, like he's talking about faith. He's talking about the law. And maybe if you're just reading in Galatians 3 and just got to this point, you're like, man, Paul really doesn't like the law and he's against us like being moral people. No, no, keep reading. We're going to talk about next week, the law and the promise. We're going to talk about Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. This isn't an argument of like, well, Paul was like internal faith and just kind of hang out and take naps. And then people like James and the Judaizers were people who were like, no, you got to do, do, do. No, it's not internal faith versus external righteousness. The reality is if you look at Paul's writings, Galatians 5, of the fruit of the spirit, you look at Philippians chapter two, it says it super well, you work out your own salvation. Well, that seems like works with fear and trembling. Oh, for it is God who works in you. You see it in Paul, that these things, they're not separate, they actually connect. That sequence is significant. That faith leads to works. That you're saved by grace alone, by faith alone, but that never stays alone. It leads to something else. And again, going back to the Old Testament, this example of Abraham, what's really interesting, you go back and read Galatians 15, six, but then you keep reading. What you see is the very next thing after Abraham believes God, credits him his righteousness. Then you see God tell Abraham, hey, I want you to go get some animals. Hey, I want you to go do some stuff for me. You see Abraham and his people, they, they literally, they have to move all the time. And many of you know the story of Isaac, his, his son, that by faith, it moves him to an altar to bring his, his son. It's faith that, that leads to something. And Paul is, is reminding them, hey, this is the way it's always been, but don't get it distorted. It's not about earning. There is effort, but it's not about earning. It's about exalting God for what he has already done. That moves you to do things sequence is significant. And many of you know this, even just with, like, with love and relationships. I remember the first time I realized I, I loved my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time. And you know how it worked? Is I, some of you heard the story. I, I was on my way to a chemistry class, and my wife, uh, who wasn't my wife at the time, I don't need to keep saying that. Um, she, I see this girl, And she walks by me. We're going, like, I'm going in this room. She's coming out of this room. She walks by me and she smiled and waved. Now, if you know my wife, Jaya, you just know she does that to everybody. (laughs) But I didn't know that. I just saw this beautiful Indian girl and I was like, oh, she smiled and waved at me. And so I went home and told my roommate, I think I'm gonna marry that girl. (laughs) Now, most of you are like, Tim, that's creepy. Listen, it worked. 16 years later, it worked. Like, don't do what I, I did, but it, it did work for me. I can't guarantee you it's gonna work for you. But I, I started to like, in that moment, it, it was super creepy. In that moment, I, I would say to my roommate, like, man, what if I married this girl? And what kind of complexion would our kids have? And I was just going down the road, like kind of creepy. But you know what I didn't do in that moment once I realized this love sprang from my very soul? You know what I didn't do in that moment? I didn't sit back on the couch and keep playing video games. No, I moved. Because love moves. Faith moves. So I, I figured out her class schedule so I could accidentally run into her on campus. I moved. I figured out where her mailbox was, and I burned some CDs and put them in the mailbox. Like some of you are like, what are CDs? I'll Google it later, right? Uh, I I moved. Because that's how love works. That's how faith works. That faith, that grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Because some of you are like, well, Tim, you're like Galatians by grace through faith alone and Jesus alone, like only the cross. But you guys just had a service fair the other week. You're like, but you also need to serve. But you also like, you need to join a community group. Like we're not a conference that meets 52 times a year. We gotta be in community with one another. We gotta walk alongside one another. Like that's the stuff we say here, right? you're like, but I I gotta do it. You, You do all these things, but you don't do these things to earn your salvation. You do these things because Christ has already earned that for you. And you start to come to grips with your condition and your self-righteousness and your sin and that one side of that coin. And you start to realize not that everyone struggles and not that I make some mistakes, but that in my sin, I am cursed, condemned, dead. But God, but, but Jesus came and lived the perfect life. I could not. And he died that death and that condemnation. This text says he became the curse for me. The son of God died upon a cross like that and experienced physical pain and public shame that I should have experienced. And by grace through faith, I get to receive that and know him and love him forever. And not just that, but there's a group of people I get to do that with. There's a body of Christ. And you're like, man, that's amazing. And it's not earning, it's exalting. It's realizing out of gratitude, look at what he has done for me. And you can't help but do. That's the way it works. And so Paul is reminding these Galatians, he's reminding you this morning what you may have forgotten from the cross, from the Old Testament. Lastly, from their experience. Verse two and five, Paul gets really practical. He he says, I want you to think about this logically and think about this logically with me. Did you get the spirit from your flesh? Or your faith? Did you see supernatural miracles happen through you through your natural effort? He says, hey, let's just think about this for a minute. In your own experience, like Paul was there. He preached the gospel of grace. Hey, just think about this. Did you get the spirit of God from your flesh? Logically, you're like, that doesn't make sense. Hey, did you get like miracles, supernatural things happening through you that happened through your natural effort? And just from their experience, he's making the case, hey, you know what is true. Snap out of it. Don't be foolish. You didn't have these supernatural miracles happen through you because you are a great person or you have some strategies or some tactics. It came from faith? It came from the spirit of God. That's the only way this happens. You see, that's that's what faith is. Here's a definition to help us. Faith is active dependence upon God that leads to a life dedicated to God. Faith is active dependence upon God that leads to a life dedicated to God that supernaturally God draws you to himself by the power of the spirit. Some of you, you come to church and you do sing some songs. You you look at your Bible and you actually want to read it and apply it to your life. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit is stirring that up within you. Man, we we get so confused with the Holy Spirit. We're like, man, I should fall out on stage or do something somebody did on TV that I saw one time. And you're like, I don't really see the spirit working in my life. Your presence at church today means the Holy Spirit woke you up and made you come to church today, amen? You open up the Bible instead of looking at your phone, you did that? That's the Holy Spirit of God through faith, active dependence upon God that leads to a life dedicated by God that's empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. This is faith. It saves you. It sanctifies you. It's the only way any of that happens. I love it in verse 11, this sort of summary statement. Look at that verse. He says, now it is evident. He goes on to say, the righteous shall live by faith. I love that. Now it's evident. Hey, I've made my case. You have the cross. You have the Old Testament. You also have your experience. It's evident. This is only by faith. It's all by faith. It's evident. It's evident. See, friends, you should be able to look at your life and see, man, it's evident only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. From when you were saved to as you are sanctified, it's evident. And the reality is, if you will really look at that and examine that and assess that before a holy God and looking at who you are without God, you will see it's evidence only by grace through faith. Last week, we had baptisms. Did you know the story we didn't hear? Nobody shared the story of like, man, I was entangled in this web of sin and lies and gossip and lust and greed. I was entangled in this web of self-righteousness. But you know what? I started lifting weights. I started reading stuff. I started getting more intellectual and like some circumstances in my life all lined up right. And you know what? I just started taking out those webs one by one and finding my way through that maze and look at me. And then they went down and got baptized. Anybody hear that story? Go back and watch it. That's not what anybody says or said. You know what they share? Man, I was was just wrapped up in my own sin, in my lust and pride and gossip and greed. Or, you know what, actually, I, I kind of, I was the good girl. I was the good boy and I always went to church and I always uh, obeyed everything. And I kind of was born in a pew and I just always thought like, man, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm better than that person. And then they always say, but God, he woke me up. I countered him. I saw the goodness of Jesus Christ. I saw the glory of Jesus Christ, that he would die for a sinner or a self-righteous person like Me And I've never been the same. And then we take them and dunk them and raise them back up. Because that's the story of Galatians. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story of your life. Amen. And so Paul is reminding, hey, it's evident. It's evidence you live by faith. Listen, this is true for your life. This is true for our church. See, as Leanne, Leanne talked about like, like, not much has changed. I'm like, well, no, everything has changed. But she was actually right. Like things have changed, right? Like we used to meet in one place, then we met in another place. We used to not have as many staff. Now we have more staff. We used to have, like we always had great sermon graphics because of Nathan Thomas. Like we always had that but we didn't have like fancy study guides for sermon series to pair them with you to help disciple you. We didn't have like things like equip nights where we fed you dinner in a room like this around round tables and we brought in a speaker and then did a Q&A. We didn't have men's studies and, and women's studies. We didn't have this fantastic team. We didn't have neon on this cross. There was a day when it didn't have neon people. Can you believe it? Things have changed. But Leanne's right, but nothing has changed. We're still the people of God, empowered by the spirit of God through faith in God. Amen? That will never change. It's evident. We are, as a church, if you're new, ask me questions later. We'll talk about this, catch you up. We are, as a church, exploring this possibility of two churches coming together, like a church merger, two churches becoming one. We're eight years old and we're looking forward to something that will, let me just tell you, it will change things. There will be hardships, there will be challenges. It will change things. And yet nothing will change because we will always be, no matter the space we meet in, No matter the the form of what things look like, and maybe there's some older people and there's some younger people and there's some different classes. No matter the form, the function will remain the same. The people of God empowered by the spirit of God through faith alone in, in God. And let me just tell you, if it happens, it will be evident that the story will never be told five years from, from now, 50 years from now that, hey, there was a people that kind of strategized and figured this thing out and it just logically made sense. And we all had some amazing works and righteous deeds and it sort of just all came together because we're great. That will never be the story. The story now, the story forever will be, no matter what change happens, that there was a flawed and a fearful people, but full of faith. And God used that in ways we couldn't imagine. Amen. That's the story. That has been the story. That will be the story in the name of Jesus for his fame and glory. All right. That's the story in your life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, I thank you for this story of faith. God, I thank you that it's not just my story or individual stories in this room. God, that it's our collective story that you do. In Galatia, you banded churches together. Today in 2022, in in Phoenix, you band churches together around your gospel, around faith in Jesus Christ. And God, you give us the opportunity, not just to be saved or even sanctified, but God, you give us the opportunity to be mobilized to be a part of helping other people see the light that we have seen, to be a part of helping other people see the faith that we have experienced, to be a part of helping lost people in our city who are dying and cursed without you. And we have the opportunity to show them Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, that he has done it. God, I just pray right now that you would anchor Phoenix Bible Church. You would anchor the men and women in this room to faith, to nothing else. God, right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, if there's other things that we are holding on to, God, I pray that we would let them go and we would just cling to the cross of Christ through faith. As we lead our families, as we work our jobs, as we grow as a church, God, that it would be evident that, Who are those people at Phoenix Bible Church? They're people marked by faith in Jesus Christ alone. They're imperfect people moved by the perfect love of Jesus. God, may that be our story of faith here. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.